Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back, Chunky's All 106. I'm the fan. We are live on CSN coming up at 940. Our pal Skippy will join us. Started a new podcast. Used to be your co-host on Big Fat Winners. Sketch. I think you're going to be doing a special guest spot with him coming up in a couple of weeks. So you don't want to miss that. That's at 940. But right now, joining us to talk some Nats. Trade deadline approaching is Dan Colco. Covers the Nationals for Masson. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, fellas. How are we doing? doing Good. Well. That was you? a fun one yesterday, huh? Uh, nothing really happened yesterday. Pretty quiet <laughs> ball game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what were you thinking when you were watching all this? I mean, it's crazy. You you know, the Nationals got shut out in the first game against the Brewers, and they went, I think, the first seven innings of game two without a run. They have that big comeback late in the ball game the other night, put up seven in the eighth inning. And then all of a sudden, early on yesterday, it was an explosion. And, you know, Brian Goodwin goes yard, and then Wilmer Defoe launches one, and then Bryce hits uh, I think his second of the game, and then Zim, and it, it all happened so quickly, and the dugout is just going insane. Guys are, you know, sitting there congratulating one guy who just went yard, and then they look up, they hear a loud sound, and and another of their teammates is rounding the bases. So, I mean, that's that's not something you see every day, and it was a lot of fun to be down, you know, close to the dugout for it and see see all the guys having so much fun and and reacting the way that they did. Oh, they were going bonkers. Um... I mean, you just look at the numbers, and you know they're leading the National League in runs scored. Uh, they're basically, I would say, they're the best lineup in baseball. I know Houston statistically, you know, they have better numbers, but I would take the Nats lineup over Houston's right now. Um, but you just look at the numbers. I mean, Harp's hitting three forty, Zim's hitting three twenty, uh, Murph's hitting three forty, Rendon's hitting three twenty. You know, they can throw Adam Lind in there to spot start, and he hits three thirty. I mean, the depth right now from a lineup standpoint, is absurd. And then Defoe's hitting 390 in the month of July. Goodwin's got pop at the top of the lineup. There's no easy outs. Not one. There's no easy outs, and this is from a lineup that is without Adam Eaton, without Trey Turner, without Jason Wirth. So, you know, Adam Eaton's probably done for the year, but you look at Trey Turner – you know, he's progressing back from that broken bone in his wrist. And, you know, I think the Nats are optimistic that, you know, somewhere around mid-August maybe he might return. Jason Worth is getting closer to a return. Michael A. Taylor as well. I forgot about him. So, you know, this lineup continues to get the job done. And you're right, the, the most, um, most of the damage is coming from those three to six spots. But then when Adam Lind is in there in the starting lineup, that stretches, you know, from a, a – very deep and strong three to six. So now it's three to seven spots in the order that are, that are super dangerous. And the fact that Dusty is able to alternate right, left, right, left throughout that entire um, group of hitters makes it really tough for opposing managers to match up late in ball games. And then, you know, yeah, Wilmer Defoe's done a fantastic job the last handful of weeks. He's choking up on the bat to give himself a little more control of the barrel. Brian Goodwin, little streaky in the leadoff spot, but he does have the power and the ability to get on and set the table. So, yeah, I mean, this lineup has continued to do really impressive things despite 
you know, the absence of so many key performers over the last month, two months or so. What kind of sucks for Goodwin and Defoe, Dan, is that you may disagree here, but, you know, when, when Turner and Worth come back or Taylor, those guys are probably going back down. And they've been so good. You know, Goodwin, I mean, he's only hitting 250, but I didn't expect the 10 bombs. You know, and he's got speed. You kind of almost want to keep him around because he does so many things for you. Same with Defoe, but when those guys come back, I'm I'm assuming Goodwin and Defoe are going back down. Well, I I wouldn't necessarily assume that. I mean, Wilmer Defoe made this club, I believe, out of spring. He he's been on the roster for nearly every game um, throughout the regular season. Got sent down for for a handful of days a couple months ago. Um, but the Nationals like his versatility. He can play a number of different infield positions. He's shown that he can play a little bit of outfield, although that's not his strength. He's got speed. He can switch hit. So he does a lot of things for you if he's coming off the bench. And Brian Goodwin, I, I would find it really hard to send him down. So I, I wouldn't assume that either of those guys goes back to AAA when, when some of the regulars get healthy. But what it does do is, you know, it, it leaves the Nationals needing to make some decisions on on some other guys who have become contributors for him. Guys uh-huh. like, you know, Ryan Rayburn and Chris Heisey who have – who have done nice things, you know, there's, there's only 25 roster spots that you have to work with. And right. it's a good problem to have when, when you have too much talent to, to keep in those 25 slots. But at some point when Worth, Turner, Taylor come back, the Nationals will have to make some, some pretty tough decisions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the easy move is like somebody like Stevenson will go down immediately. But when you start getting to the third or fourth guy coming back, oh, then it's going to be tough. Yeah, and I, I forgot about Adrian um... – Sanchez, he's obviously going to be sent down. So maybe you're right. Maybe those guys can stick. They certainly have, you know, they deserve to stick for what they've been able to do. Um, all right, so let's talk about yeah. let's talk about Strassi here. Um, obviously, on the ten day, Eric Fetty's going to replace him on Saturday. Um, you know, we've been talking to some some people. You, you kind of have to be really careful with Strasburg. You certainly don't want to rush him back and. We were just talking to John Feinstein. He made a good point. You know, I, I wouldn't put Strasburg back in that rotation until you know he's fully ready, 100%. Even if has, he has to miss an extra start or two, you don't want to mess with that arm because you absolutely need him in October. Um, but in terms of replacement, what do you think they're going to do before the deadline? Do they go out and get another starter or not? Well, just to touch on Strasburg real quick, I, I yeah. don't think there's any reason whatsoever for the Nationals to rush him back out there before they're 100% sure that he's ready. There's no need for him to make a start in July, in August for that matter, if they're not sure that he's he's healthy and, and able to go. You want him for October, and they have built up enough of a cushion in the division that allows them to do something like this. So, yeah, you know, it, it it's tough to see your, one of your horses on the DL, but I, I have thought this with Jason Worth, with Trey Turner, um, it's not the worst thing in the world for these guys to miss a little bit of time in the middle of the season, as long as they're able to be back and clicking come postseason. Uh, you know, if if they're fresh and they're rested, that's that's an okay thing, uh, in my book. As for you know trade deadline approaching and and possible you know rotation boosts, you look around at what's out there, and the Nats have been linked to some of the top names, guys like Sonny Gray, Justin Verlander, you Darvish. But you're going to have to, with all of these guys, you're either going to have to give up a lot in prospects or you're going to have to take on a lot in money. Mm-hmm. And Darvish is a rental. He's a free agent after this year. 
do you see the Nationals giving up one of their top two or three prospects to get a rental? They haven't shown super willing to do that in the past, and there's probably going to be a pretty high price for Darvish. Same thing for Sonny Gray, who is a lot more affordable than Justin Verlander for for the next couple of years, but there's a bidding war for Sonny Gray right now, so it's going to take a ton to get him. As for Verlander, there's a ton of money left on his contract, and yes, uh, you know the Lerner Family Nationals ownership took on the salaries of Madsen and Doolittle in that trade for this year and next year. But when you're talking about, uh, I don't know how much it is, 40-something million, 50-something million left on Justin Berlander's deal, that's a whole other story. So I don't know that any of those names are, are great fits. If they're willing to give up the, the high price to get Sonny Gray, you know, I think it can't hurt to strengthen a strength and have a starter of his caliber added to what you already have. Um, but I don't know if any of those options really make total sense. You could potentially add a fourth fifth starter type, um, but I don't know that there's any necessarily super um, attractive names out there in that type of capacity either. I still do think that there's a, a decent chance that the Nats end up adding another reliever. Um, I, I thought Pat Neshek would have made some good sense for them. He, he just went to the Rockies the other day. Right. But there's, they could still get a guy, you know, like Justin Wilson or, you know, one other back-end option out there. And as Bryce Harper said, that would give them a three-headed monster at the back end with Madsen and Doolittle. We'll see how it all shakes out. Um, but they do have Sean Kelly coming back. They still hope that Coda Glover will be there in the end. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to, to see what Mike Rizzo chooses to do. And it's something that I always point out this time of year to Nats fans is, yeah, we're, we're talking about the non-waiver trade deadline here, but Mike Rizzo has made um, pickups after the non-waiver tra- trade deadline in the past. He got Kurt Suzuki. Last year he got Mark Zepchinski, pieces that have impacted this club down the stretch and in the postseason. So, yeah, we're, we're talking about July 31st and, and that deadline, but that doesn't mean that there can't be a piece that's, that's picked up after that. All right, Dan, appreciate the time and insights. Dan Colco, you can watch him on Mass and covers the Nats each and every game. Thanks, pal. Thank you. You got it, guys. I would say, though, the non-trade deadline, the waiver deals, generally you're not going to get as good of a player because the top teams are going to block you from making those moves. Right, and and most of the good players have already been sent before the, the first deadline. You're right. So you would assume that the Sonny Grays, the U Darvishes, those guys will be gone before Monday. And he brings up a good point. I've kind of <clears> forgotten <throat> about those guys, but now that you have Doolittle, who appears to be the main closer, right? Doolittle seems to be the guy they have slotted for the ninth. For now, but that could change. And Madsen seems to be more of the setup guy. We've forgotten that really Kelly is a really good setup guy. Mm-hmm. So if Kelly comes back healthy, you have him in the bullpen, and then Coda Glover would just be kind of a cherry on top, I think, who's an, who, who's a great talent. Maybe he wasn't ready for the primetime role as closer just yet, but he, he throws gas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they still have question marks there, and, and if they went out and got a true closer, you'd feel more comfortable, but there might not be one out there that they, they really like. You have so many to questions to ask Mike Rizzo when you have lunch with him today. You have yeah. so many. All this stuff that we're talking about. He's going to want to kick you out of the office because you're going to ask him, pepper with him, him with 100 questions. Yeah, I just can't wait to eat. I'm starting to get a little I, famished. I know the food is good. Yes, it is. It's going to be good. Yep.
Uh, we've got Skippy joining us coming up at 940. Are you going to give us a little entertainment page? I, I will. see you circling a lot yes. of things. Okay, just, circle method. I'm circling so much. I'm going to tell you who is hosting the 2017 VMAs and who the richest man in the world is next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.